What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here for a brand new episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. That's right. We're back, baby. On this episode, we've got Tyler Stevens talking about a whole slew of topics, including new promos, uh, Mr. Classic that's just around the corner. So much good stuff to talk about, including a new rule that's actually going to change the game of redemption, kind of slow it down a little bit. We get into that and how it's going to affect the competitive scene. So glad you're here. Let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome into the Threshing Floor podcast. It's been a while, but John Hendricks here once again for you podcast enthusiasts out there. We're joined by Mr. Tyler Stevens. How you doing, Tyler? Good on my end. Glad to be back and glad for the podcast to be rolling. Yeah, man, it's 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 been a little while. I don't know exactly if uh, it's like riding a bike to where... Once you get back into it, everything will just go. I guess we'll figure that out in the editing process. <laughs> I've been trying to get, get on since 8.30. It's 10 now, so <laughs> that's on me. It's on the universe, man. Like, So I had it lined up to record with Jaden, and I picked Jaden as the first guest back. Not because he's the greatest guest or anything or anything like that. I just know he's got good audio set up, so it would be easier to edit the sound uh, and make it easier on myself in the uh, post-recording process. And I was like, okay, so Jaden worked it out, came home last night, spectrum outage, apparently in Florida <laughs> and all over the Southeast. And they want us to sign up for their spectrum mobile service. I'm just like, I'll stick with Verizon, you know? <laughs> but, uh, so then I reached out to John and he's like, nope, can't do it. Mother-in-law, like him and Peter, the rock, man, <laughs> mother-in-laws, man. <laughs> Hey, how many people down the list did you get till you got to me? <laughs> you were you were third. <laughs> and now you're stuck with Tyler on a traveling work trip with a laptop. So yes. making it happen. Although Tyler did tell me I have nothing to record with. I've just got my phone. And after not being able to use his phone to record, oh, I have a work laptop. <laughs> <laughs> oh You're man. Here. So Working back into the groove is going to take a little bit of time, but we're going to be here for it. I guess we can uh, go over some recent news and things, you know, similar to the way we were setting up the podcast episodes previously before I went on, no pun intended, a hiatus. Yeah, kind of. We flipped the roles. <laughs> so. If you are up to date in the community, you will know that Land of Redemption has a part two of an article going over underused cards. And this one is uh, done by Seth Moreland. And uh, it's going over some cards that aren't being heavily played within the competitive meta environment. So you can go read that. There's also a devotional that's focused around the character Gabriel, the angel Gabriel in the Bible and what he represents in the Bible and his role and all of that. And, then there has been a recent hint at something coming up, and this was done by by Mr. Loria in the Northeast of something that is forthcoming that is going to be involving sealed product, maybe going over something with 
booster draft or something like that. But that's been kind of teased in the community. So I don't know what's coming up with that, but I'm kind of excited to see what that turns into. But Land of Redemption seems to have, even though it's traded hands, going from Gabe being the, the person that, I guess, controlled it per se, um, to Chad, it seems to be staying relevant and keeping content coming in fresh. So that's cool to see. Oh, yeah, I love seeing the underused cards too. That stemmed from a, I believe that's stemmed from a conversation on one of the discords where just talking about underused cards. That was months ago. And I did like a mini write up there and started talking about what cards just aren't seen in play that are really good. That'll catch you off catch your opponent off guard and stuff like that and Seth just ran with it it's on LOR and I love the short and concise here's the picture here's why I think it's underrated here's good plays it's a really good read in general yeah and it seems like he's going to uh he did good alignment evil alignment maybe he's going to hit neutrals next and things like that so that is pretty cool I guess since we've got you on here I also have the next bullet point is to talk about Tyler Talks I know it's been a couple of weeks, but you put out a video called The Art of Losing, and I really enjoyed that because, well, two things. I think there's something that you can learn from every loss in any environment um, that is competitive. You can find out why you lost, why you were not better prepared, all of that. So it helps you get better. Second of all, I've got a lot of experience at losing, (laughs) and so now you're telling me I can do something with that experience. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a good video. We talked real quick before we got on where I took just, I'm trying to do my videos slightly different. One, work got busy, life got busy, but I'm trying to do videos a little, not weekly or bi-weekly, um, just until we start gearing up into the season. But I thought that was a really good time to talk about a topic I've been wanting to talk about. Um, that was probably my favorite video I've done because instead of just going over deck ideas or deck building anything it's more so what what can you gain from losing and the importance of it so i i thoroughly enjoy the video it's it's kind of another aspect of what i like to do on my channel of not just doing deck construction and ideas but also what to think before during and after gameplay so that was a topic that's not as talked about as much so i'm glad you enjoyed it i got a lot of good feedback on that one Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I also think that the ones that you do that, in addition to some of the deck things, are also ones that can be kind of pseudo-fill the space of almost like a podcast. So you can put Mm -hmm. it on when you're like in the car, even though you're not watching the video, and you can listen and get a lot of information that you can pull from that just audibly without having to engage with the actual, you know, presentation. Noted. And the next one will be One Territory Class implementation we'll get to that and the uh deck building in in a new world so that will be the next video when i get back and settled in after traveling for work building in a new world and deck in parentheses before building in a new world or building a new world deck building a new world there you go i just gave you your title there you go roll with it so our friend Jaden, you know that was scheduled to be on here first priority for the podcast (laughs) he has some footage from the most recent grand prix this is number seven i believe 
95% sure that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, and this is the one where they were testing the artifact and then that got thrown out and then testing one territory class. We know that all of those um, testing uh, elements were fruitful enough that now we have an official rule that came from it. But the gameplay in that and changing from just wild, reckless territory class being, you know, allowed to, hey, guys, do you want to test one? And there was a lot of participation from the community. And I think a lot of people like the the fact that there's a lot of strategy added to it when you start, you know, limiting using territory class enhancements. And I think the community really like ran with that on the testing front. Um, you played in that. So how did your experience go with it? So there's a couple couple aspects here. One is this was brand new that we asked the community to test something um, that we were looking at implementing long term, and from a bringing awareness to the topic, this is a big, big imp- implementation in the sense of deck building and just mindset. Not so much from a rules perspective; it's pretty cut and dry. Uh, but there's a lot of layers afterwards. So it was really good to a bring in the community. Hey, we, we want your involvement. We, this lets us know, this lets the community know we're listening and we want your engagement and we're looking for feedback and we want you to be involved in the testing of this. Uh, it's a big ask. And I know elders, I won't say have come under fire, but they get questioned about rules being implemented and this was hey here you test it (laughs) kind of thing so it was really cool to see first time in my short career that i've seen rules tested by the community as well um it's not all just behind the curtains and next thing you know a rule comes out so this was really cool to see um as for what i saw in the grand prix immediate deck building, and we'll talk more about that later, but immediate deck building. Um, Your meta is going to shift a little bit, but the experience of testing the new format was really cool because all sorts of decks came out of the Lackey Grand Prix. All sorts of decks. Um, That's what I think is one of the main aspects of a healthy meta, and that was the main question that the elders asked. What's a, what's a healthy meta? And the Lackey Grand Prix really showed with one territory class enhancement, there's there's a healthy meta. Uh, you, you can play a lot of different decks and be competitive. So I know we'll get into some of these topics later. I won't hit on everything. So more so the review of Lackey Grand Prix that I participated in, a lot of different deck types. Yeah, there was some Matthew coming up front, like Matthew was a lot, but a lot of different deck types a lot of shared ideas, people putting ideas out there, and then a little bit of resistance or questioning up front, and then overall a very positive mindset when tested and when played. So that's all I'll say now about it until we get further in, but that's that was overall my experience of the new format. Yeah, and another thing that I think, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong or off base here, but I believe that obviously leadership is volunteer based. And even though there's some that have been involved with it for a while, like, you know, um, Marcus, Gabe, John, 
everybody's like constantly evolving and learning how to best ebb and flow with the community on things, especially changes, because there have been a lot of changes recently. But I feel like this is similar to after nationals when Love at First Sight was around, but it's also completely different. And I think that's a, an evolution of leadership involving the community, because if you remember, there was talk, hey, we're thinking about doing this with the reserve rule before it was actually made official. And it's like, this is what we're testing. And we're testing, limiting it for three rounds, two rounds, one round, whatever. But I've, I feel like I remember that, but feeling like the decision was being made without community being involved with it. And then just they were aware that it could be happening. And this was, mm-hmm. hey, this this is something we're thinking about. Why don't you help us test and you come along with us for this? And now that involves the community on a more personal level to where they feel like it's not just happening, you know, regardless of them, but happening with their input. And I think that was kind of a cool dynamic to see those two different times where something like that was getting tested before being implemented and just the way that the community involvement. It also helps that Jay has spearheaded and had the Lackey Grand Prix running to where there is testing ground for the elders to be able to ask, hey, you guys want to help with this? I'm glad you brought up Jay, one of my good friends, and I completely blew by that aspect. So I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry, Jay. Um, Yeah, we, we asked Jay about this. We talked about, I guess, using the Grand Prix as an outlet and Jay was all for it. And this is something that Jay created and ran with. It's Chris with online tournaments and Derek with online tournaments, different different types. And Jay has this online Grand Prix that is phenomenal. So it gives us great content. It really shapes the meta and it gave us an outlet to test something within the community that was really engaging. So I'm glad you brought that up and thank you, Jay. Sorry, I forgot you, buddy. Yeah, here on the podcast, we love Jay. We love the Chamber Brothers. <laughs> uh, did you see that? I called them the Chamber Brothers again, dropping the S. So it's, collectively community. You'll understand it after, mm-hmm. in a few days, you'll understand. Once when it's I, singular, I can do it they're again. the Chambers. When it's plural, they're Chamber. Which is, yeah, the Chamber Brothers. We just got to drop the S, okay? It works. But Nike Grand Prix, unofficial tournament, on the flip side of that, there are still official tournaments happening. And one of those that's going to be coming up is going to be hosted by our good friend, Derek Torado, the Watchman. He's going to be hosting Type 1 two-player and GOC only online tournament, online local, February 25th. So this is your chance to sign up and you play via Zoom, usually with a camera looking at your uh, your territory and you see the opponents, vice versa. But it's a good way to play with players that aren't in your area, people that maybe you don't get to play with. And different from the Lackey Grand Prix, this has you focusing on the elements of actually controlling the physical cards. And I think too much testing one way or the other can can kind of kind of mess you up. Um, so a balance of using physical cards and Lackey. Um, and when I say physical cards, I mean like cards being sleeved, handling those for your searches and things. Because we haven't heard a lot of talk about it, but Tyler, are you gonna be are you gonna be a uh, a strict judge at nationals again? Are we gonna be what is it? 30, 30 seconds, guy. Wrap your deck up. Come on. 
<laughs> hey, if I have to, I will. Uh, I, I know the rule, the new rule will help with that, but just keep mm-hmm. that in mind. But you know, if you're on lack and you're doing a bunch of stuff and then you take it to a real deck, make sure you, you work on honing that in to where you can just operate it like a machine, you know, like Jeremy did at nationals last year, man, that was phenomenal to watch. Yep. The GOC only. So if you haven't played GOC only, I highly encourage you to play it. There's a couple reasons. One, it is very promos. Very, promos. Yeah, promos is another very, very valid reason. Um, if you haven't played it, it's a, a lot of fun. It's B. It's very competitive from a field perspective. Uh, it will make you a better player because you're playing usually different themes and just overall different decks. But majority of the meta right now are heavily involved in GOC. When you play GOC only, you are naturally expanding your card pool to what you normally don't use. You don't always, your, your deck is not going to be 100% GOC. You're learning the set more and how it interacts uh, and you're identifying cards. A lot of times we're so visual that we play, we just immediately see a card. We assume we know what it does or we forget the visual because we don't play it. Uh, so playing GOC will make you a better player. It will make you piece together the set. Um, if you want to be competitive, I personally think you should play GOC only. So I, there's a lot of good aspects of just being involved in GOC only. Yep. I have not played GOC only, but I have kind of tinkered around with some deck building for decks that are GOC only. And man, I feel like that's night and day different just from an outside. Like again, I have not played, but it seems like that is just like a blitz mode of like just awesomeness compared to LOC only like LOC only, like Mm -hmm. there's these couple of decks, but then you have these outliers and things, but it seems like everything kind of connects with everything. And the power level is just crazy. Like, like it's so high it's balanced across GOC only a little bit. Uh, I would assume that it kind of balances out, but man, there's just, you can still put together decks that do crazy things in GOC only. It seems like, and it seems like that would be a lot of fun, especially for like a new player who's investing into that because it's a more compact format to where there's a limited Mm -hmm. card pool. It's you're buying into the newest product. You're excited to play these brand new cards you've just got. And there's still a lot of fun in that environment. Let's just get you back on podcast and then we'll get you in GOC only. <laughs> yeah, baby steps, all right? <laughs> I do want to see an OC block. I have never played POC only, and I would love to play Prophecies of Christ only. I think that would be, I think that's one of the most balanced overall sets um, from just offense and defense. I would love to see GOC is definitely up there too. Um, how strong defenses are compared to offenses. And I would love to see an OC, an OC block. POC, LOC, GOC. POC, that would be POC only fun. where Persians can actually be played. <laughs> yeah, baby. So we'll change gears there and go. So we went unofficial tournament like a Grand Prix. And then we went official tournament online hosted by the Watchmen. Now we'll go unofficial again because coming up, March 17th and 18th. All right, guys. Again, I'm going to tell you again, March 17th and 18th, because I got ingrained into my head. For some reason, I thought it was the 23rd and 24th, but it's the 17th and 18th. That's going to be the Mr. Classic Invitational. 
in Knoxville, Tennessee at Meridian Baptist Church. And sitting here with us right now, Mr. Tyler Stevens is one of the eight players vying for the title belt. And what do you think your confidence level is that you're going to bring that title belt home? I just, I think of all the top players that have ever played, I we just didn't bring the good ones. I'll, I'll whoop up on these guys that are playing. A lot of them are young bucks or uh, has been, so that should be easy pickings. <laughs> is John, is John a has been? Is that what you're saying? John, John's a no Ben. Yeah, no, they're phenomenal <laughs> players. I can't wait to play. This is probably the most exciting tournament though, because we've never, we've never had something like this. We've had massive nationals, type two onlys that have been really good, uh, extremely competitive nationals in the past two, but there's never been something of, hey, we're going to get top of the top players, uh, and they're and they're going to go at it with cards that let's that that they won with to get to where they're at today. Uh, it's it's going to be really really good. It's also it's it's not much of a learning curve. You know, we go right back to our roots there. So it's, and and we're going to be streaming. We're going to be streaming so many games. It's going to be phenomenal for the community to see really good tournament in general. In general. And once again, the, the chamber brothers put, putting it on. Yeah. I hear they're going to have some world-class commentary as well. I believe uh, it's going to be Mr. Kevin, the dude. And Yours truly, as far as I know, they might have kicked me out since I've been distant in the community a little bit lately. But as far as I know, I think that's still the plan. So <laughs> me and me and Josh are gonna bring the fire. Okay, I don't, I, dude, dude. I wish I had fixed the promo. <laughs> right now would be the <laughs> the most awesome time to drop it. Oh man. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Golly. I should have I should have just just ran with it and told them the dates were wrong and played it. Yeah, I know. Oh well. You know what? Should I do it? Should I just do it? I can do it in like twelve seconds. Yeah, and then just say like, "Hey, hey, the dates are wrong. I'm gonna fix it. Calm down, guys." Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let me, and then let me just edit it in. I'll shut up. Let me Bluetooth my phone real quick. Okay, so if this works, here we go. Are you ready to see the best of the best versus the best of the best? For over 28 years, Redemption has stood tall, stood against the test of time with several champions, but there's never been a Mr. Classic. Well, get ready as Redemption plans to crown the first ever Mr. Classic in Knoxville, Tennessee at Meridian Baptist Church on March 23rd and 24th, hosted by the Chamber Brothers. Make your plans to be there as we get ready to settle the score once and for all with the top eight in the history of the game going toe-to-toe for the right to be crowned Mr. Classic! All right, do you want to run through a brick wall or not? That was amazing. So again, guys, the dates are wrong. I'm I'm a goober. I put the wrong dates, but 
man, that was fun to work on recording last night. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you want to hear a, a really cool uh, little excerpt about that? So how about I'm working on recording it, and I've ran through it like 10 times. And, you know, you're trying to get like the to where your voice is as excited all the way through because it's a lot of energy. And I work on it, and it's perfect all the way through. And in my head, I'm thinking, this is the one. This is the take. This is fire. And then I go, mister, and hold it. And then instead of saying classic, I said champion. (laughs) 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 Mr. Champion. (laughs) It was so terrible. (laughs) Play the same exact thing at the very end when they crown someone. Yeah. Dude, imagine everybody walking out and getting an intro like that. Like that old like wrestler promo (laughs) on tonight's (laughs) (laughs) pay-per-view. And that's just a glimpse of what the uh, commentary is going to be. Yeah. We're not holding back. Let's see. Jay actually um, sent me the round one pairings. Have you seen this yet? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know who you're playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, if, it, if he's going one through eight, yes. He's doing one and eight, two and seven, yeah. and so forth. So uh-huh. the seating... For Mr. Classic. All right. You've got Mr. John Early, seed number one. Seed number two is the Guardian himself, Justin Alstead. Mr. Stevens, you are number three. So you are my third choice. You're Jay's third choice. I'm just saying. Seems like three's <laughs> your number. Jaden Alstead is number four. Brian Jones, number five. Mr. Ron Sias is number six. Seventh is Jay, I almost said Jeremy, Jay Chambers. Singular, it's Chambers, but together mm-hmm. it's Chamber. And then Mark Valake, I believe is how you say his last name. Um, he has the one from winning, uh, was it the Scrolls Around the Block, I think, where he picked up his seed? Yeah. Is that Mark009 on Discord? Uh I don't know what he, what his name is on Discord, like besides Mark, but I know he has the picture of Paul. Oh yeah, that's Mark 009. Okay, man, he is funny. He might be funniest guy on Discord. That whoa, deserves. Whoa, 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 no, whoa! Sorry, man. So you've been you've been off the game. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man. It's it's okay. You know we can't we can't get every title in the world. You know, best commentary guy, best promo guy. I'll let somebody be funniest guy for now. <laughs> but round one pairings are kind of nasty when you when you go down the the list. So you got John, Mark, okay. Um, you got Justin and Jay. That one's going to be good because I feel like both of them. Maybe maybe Jay isn't quite to the level that uh, Justin is, but I feel like they're both really methodical. Like we're going to slowly gather our resources and play for the mid game. And then the the late game, like we don't care about blocks and rescues early first two turns as much as like we're just trying to control the the mid game on. Justin and Jay, both, yes, methodical, but play completely different. I have played this game a long time. I've played against all these guys, but Mark, it it is Mark uh, 0090. Um, Jay is Blitzkrieg. 
plays fast, knows what he's doing. Just, I mean, everyone here knows what they're doing, but Oh, Jay's, yeah, yeah. Jay's got that little bit of, like, kind of... You know, I've described it to you before, but I, I don't mm-hmm. want to be so colorful on air, but he can be a little bit of a... a, 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 a butthead to play against because yeah, he's like yeah, what's you, your move you, all right come on you need to hurry up make your make your play all that which i don't think Jay that's knows, gonna fly that against justin yeah that's not gonna work against justin but mm-hmm. while he does that he he does that but he's also i feel like every time i've played him he's worked towards that mid game to he wants halfway through the game when that clock hits, they loves the mid game if, when that clock hits 25 minutes he wants to be in control of the game he doesn't care mm-hmm. if he's not in control of the first 15 20 minutes of the clock but when it yep. hits 25 minutes left in that game, he wants you to have burned your resources, have your best block gone, your best rescue gone, and he wants to be standing there or sitting there with his best stuff still to come or to come back off of the flood, you know, with the rainbow play repeating or, or some way to recur some great rescue or block. And we're giving Justin's scouting report. Oh, yeah, well... Uh, <laughs> Justin's going to show up with a magic deck. <laughs> <laughs> but then you've got Ron and Tyler here. Um, that's going to be a, a decent game. Like that That's about the level of like John versus Mark. Like you expect that in the seedings. Ron and I have played so much over the last 15-ish years. Yeah. But you get to that that middle to where it's like four and five, yeah. and you get Jaden defending type one champ, and then what he did at nationals the year before uh, in Canyon Lake, Texas, and returning Brian Jones, Brian Jones of a mythic lore with the the second coming and the chariot of fire booster draft run, the Brian Jones that almost won sealed deck in his first nationals back, and like I mean. That's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, people are going to remember, or they're going to start, I guess, remembering Brian. Um, I talked about him on my video. Brian and I have been friends. I mean, I've been friends with, I'll have the pleasure of, I guess, meeting or meeting again, Mark, but everyone else I've been friends with for, at this point, half my life. Um, Brian and I have been friends for years. Dude is a top-notch player. He's not going to come into this thing and not be tuned up. And if anything, all this does is make Brian better for nationals because he he's very competitive for competition, not states and regionals, but stuff like this. So it's, that is going to be a good game. Um, a lot of good matchups there. Oh, round, round two and three is going to be amazing as well. Yeah. If someone were to ask me right now, not that I'm a betting man per se or anything, but they said, who do you think is going to win? Like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take four in, four out. That's as close as I can go right now. <laughs> like, I can tell you who, which four I think, you know, one of those four will win, and then I could give you, like, four that I could not see winning. But beyond yeah. that, like... It's a great field. It's Yes. Considering that, obviously, the way that it was set up, you don't get to have some of the previously great players that the games had because they've stepped away for various reasons, you know, life, ministry, family, things that took them away from the game. But, I mean, you still came out with a great field, and it's a good field of, okay, you have a strong top end. You've got good mid-level, and then you've got some some guys that, you know, like Mark and Jay that have been around 
played the game for a while and they're like the seventh and eighth seed, you know, Mark coming mm-hmm. back to the game or whatnot. But, you know, he's had good history with the game and he just won the scroll around the block. So and the key I'm looking forward to it. Scroll changes everything. I think I think it's going to be great. So, again, make your plans to be there. The title belt will be there. It will be on the line. I think personally we should hang it up from the rafters or from the ceiling and make them climb a ladder and get it down like they do in ladder matches. Absolutely. They chose to make it a wrestling belt. We should make it as much like wrestling to win it as we can. I will wrestle any of those guys. <laughs> I could see John Early coming off of the top rope with an elbow, completely missing, card. completely missing. <laughs> and then Jay pinning him. I could see it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry, John. I, I, I just, your aerial game, you gotta, you gotta, it's ground and pound for you, buddy. <laughs> Man, it's fun to be back recording. Like, I don't know if you can tell, but like, I've got some good energy for it right now. Oh, absolutely. It's nice. I'm happy you're back. So, um, here we go. Next thing on the agenda is Mr. Elder. Um, Israel's rebellion playtesting is underway. So I know you're not gonna you're not gonna spill the beans. You've gotten better at that. You know, last year I was able to prod a, a few little tidbits out of you. Know, yeah, I you doubt I'm gonna be able to now. But playtesting is underway, and you mentioned. Uh, you confirmed kind of the, the timeline for spoilers is probably going to be May and June. You also mentioned that you have kind of a, a, a new way you want to try to do spoilers. So just any information you want to share about places, how it's going overall with, you know, just generals, no specifics. We're, we're ramping into playtesting. So we just, we like to bring on more playtesters. Um, we have Lackey Grand Prix going. We just asked the community to test one territory class. We also don't want to just bring on more playtesters and say, hey, test test this too. So we want to give people a, a break. We want pe- people to enjoy the game and enjoy opportunities and not just feel like testers, you know? So uh, we're, we're ramping up testing. At the same time, the elders really hit the... Just, rebellion hard uh document wise putting everything together to where just minor hey j- this scripture should have double quotes kind of thing hey the graphic is missing this letter um just minor details that quite frankly we don't hit this early we're almost at like doing very thorough quality checks uh, which i love so that's not giving away any information at all um, as for playtesting itself, uh, more games in, but I like to really put more of that on myself and I am traveling for essentially two and a half weeks right when we're coming down Lackey Grand Prix. So hopefully right when I get back, we can start kicking right off into more heavy rebellion playtesting. We're still in what we call phase one kind of testing where we want majority of the playtest decks to be both from Israel's rebellion and Israel's deliverance. Maybe there's some themes there or just same brigades or something, or we just want a little additional testing. Uh, but we want 
majority of the decks to be made from the new cards. And then we start opening up. So what we want to do is make sure that the themes that are used in this next set, Rebellion, are hashed out, well-defined, and they're working within their respective theme without needing additional cards. And then for spoilers, uh, if y'all aren't on Discord, um, hop on in there and, and maybe scroll up a little bit for, for spoilers. There's a post that I did uh, where I don't know how to use scissors and I just cut everything off of cards and you can see a lot there. So that was a lot of fun. I purposely put that picture up and I was like, eh, you could open up the picture and kind of zoom in and you can get a pretty high quality picture. Um, there's a lot of juicy details and you know, yeah, messed tell, me us, the most on that. tell us who the big blue guy is. <laughs> Come on. You, you tell me, but, uh, Mark, Mark 0090 actually messaged me the most on what he saw. Mark, you were mostly right. So there's a lot there. If you scroll back through that spoiler, there's all sorts of stuff you can see. And we will start seeing spoilers in May. And I'm going to go about it a few different ways. Um, I like to... I love when people give to this community, whether it be their time and ideas, whatever it may be. If you've done that in the past or you're doing that, I, I want to do anything I can to be like, hey, I appreciate you. I can't get, like, give you things, but would you like to, I don't know, spoil this? Uh, we did a little bit of that GOC and I, I love that aspect. I want to take prior ideas we've had in the past and just kind of give a token of appreciation. And we asked the elder team, Hey, who, who do we want to spoil and who can we give opportunities to and kind of give them creativity and give them creative flow on how they want to spoil. So just today we did a spoiler. I won't go into that. We'll get into that in a second, but yeah, I have a lot of ideas on how I want to spoil. There's multiple outlets um, with podcasts and different videos and having uh, play testers on on different video channels and maybe, you know, having a couple cards spilled into decks would be really cool. So uh, that also helps have, if you're watching people's content. Oh, hey, cool. There's something. It's like you were a viewer, you also got uh, kind of a, a bonus because you view this person's channel. So stuff like that, um, a lot of different ideas on how to spoil it. And I also have a few ideas to bring in an older outlet um, and a couple things we've done years ago, I think eight years ago, we did something that I really liked and resonated with me. And I want to do something similar. Um, are so you, don't worry. Are you resurrecting the forums? It, yeah, it goes back to the forums. Um, but there's going to be something, a couple things hidden there. So it, sh it should be good. And that way there's going to be a few conversations happening probably March, April. That leads in. I'm thinking actually February. I'm thinking this month and once a month there's something and then it no spoilers, but leads into something and we'll really ramp into spoilers by May. 
that's all I got to say about that. Nice. So, I mean, without giving too many specifics there, you, you, you kind of gave us a little bit. Um, you, you also told everybody to reach out to Mark and ask him what he knows because yeah, you yeah. kind of confirmed what he knows. So Mark, Mark, check that DM box, sir. We didn't know who Big Blue is, okay? I need to know. I need, I, I, I got to know, okay? Um, but anyway, we have a new state promo. I was hoping to actually possibly record last week, but um, my timeline got kind of messed up, which speaking of for you guys, um, there is going to be an article coming out on Land of Redemption about kind of some of the reasons that I was – not recording a lot, which mostly just comes down to I was busy um, and a lot of life stress just piled on me. But uh, that's going to be coming out to explain a little bit. And it's got pictures of, you know, where I'm recording now because I don't want to record at work anymore because it's not a relaxing space anymore because of all the stress from work. And also, it's just not a very good setup because we have a constant train of you know, traffic in, bringing products in to package for shipping. And it's just, man, it, it, it's cluttered. It's a mess. I, I can barely stand it for the time I'm at work. But anyway, I converted a closet at home to a recording area. And there's going to be a before and after picture of the closet. So you guys can check that out on that article, Land of Redemption. But I feel like it sounds okay, right? Like the audio, the audio halfway here great. through the, the episode sounds great to me, um, at least through the monitor headphones that I'm wearing. But if anybody has any, you know, complaints about the, uh, the sound quality, I'll try to work on that because I know it could be better, but coming from the closet, I think it's doing, doing pretty well. But anyway, excerpt away. Um, we've got new state promo and I knew that there was promos last week, but I didn't get the closet done in time to record. So I couldn't, jump in front of it and be like, Hey guys, I know, I know promos are out state promo, <laughs> regional promo, whatever. And they're working on national promos. I got that, that bit of information last week, but couldn't use it. Working. So, yeah. Okay. You can keep talking, man. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Nothing there. Uh, so I think at this point now we have actual spoilers. Um, one that we know is the state promo. And since you're on the card creation design team, I'm going to make you say the name and struggle over it. Not me, but Mr. Nameless. So uh, what can you tell us about what went into picking this card? And I guess this leads me to believe that there is more blue in the set than I previously thought there might be. So that means that you also held out on me because you know I love blue. And I do, thought man. we were, I thought we were boys, I dude. I, I might know. not even stepped away from the game. I might've just been so in, enthralled with it. And dude, blue's about to get, get a buff. All right. Never stepped away, but you know, it hurt me. You didn't want to tell anybody. Oh, oh, Malak, the nameless. I, I knew you'd come crawling back as soon as we just slapped blue. It, all it took was, it wasn't even one blue hero. It's, it's half a blue hero and you came crawling half back. Half a blue dog. <laughs> <laughs> So this was originally not Malak the Nameless. This was a different angel, and Jay guessed him on Discord. Uh, 
but it was not, it was the angel that it used to be. Do you know, or do you have a guess of who this angel at first was? And then we renamed him or redid it. Dude, don't put me on the spot. You know, with our community having like biblical scholars and things, they're going to make <laughs> fun true. of me, man. Come on. But was it? <laughs> I just I just like my devotionals. But, when did um, the Angel at Sure happen? That's not. That was it. So that was it? This okay. used to be Angel at Sure. Uh, and, and we just had a, I've been, I just me personally, I love the idea of a dual brigade angel. And it wasn't, I didn't have a fully fleshed out idea yet. And finally, just over time, just card design, working with the team, asking questions, really getting involved in everything is fine. I was like, you know what? It probably isn't healthy to just have a ton of, as much as people would want, just a ton of dual brigade silver because that really takes away. But um, I was all for Gabriel. What if there was Gabriel? Like, you know, is awesome, dude. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I had to. I had to cut you. When, yeah. Dude, no. My heart jumped. <laughs> but it's like, what if there's not an angel per brigade? But what if we kind of maybe over time we kind of see about an angel in a brigade and stuff like that. Like I really like the Gabriel. So um, we had angel as sure. And it's like, well, if, if you know, if we want to do this idea, what should the angel be? And Chris and I were talking as well. And I was like, I just don't, I really like angel as sure, but I don't see that as being blue silver. So we brought it up uh, and I said, like, what about the Jacob wrestling with, with God or an angel of God or depiction and that, that stuck. It was a fan favorite. And then it came down to naming the card and Gabe has an awesome philosophy of trying not to use the word angel in every card title with angel, which I really like. I'm, I'm um, down with that. Yes. That's, yep. So that's cool. We got creative and I think this was a Joe Schaefer might've been John early. If it was anyone else, I'm sorry. It was but, somebody um, that started with a J, okay? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're everywhere. Pretty, they're everywhere in this game. So then it came to, said we changed Angel at Sure, which had the same ability, same numbers, everything. And we just said, let's just change it to this Angel. And we took a poll. We all put our ideas out there in different titles and what do we like and talked about it for a couple of weeks. And Malak, the nameless, stuck. Um, so do you notice anything different about when you look at the card? Um, besides it's on the new card design and it's got the blended brigades. Um, you've got some 3D element there. Uh, I feel like you're asking me something that's not obvious like that. I do have a question, uh, not to go down a uh, rabbit trail, to, to sidetrack us, and this is not me trying to second-guess anything that you guys do as card designers, but I feel like there's been a lot of cards like this to where name the something, name some attribute or secondary name, and some of them have a comma and some of them don't. How do you guys decide which ones get that comma? The OCD in me wants to know. Um, I am working <laughs> on a design philosophy document where it hits standardization 
And that's going to be something to where it's like, it's sometimes grammatical and sometimes it could just be a miss or how it sounds. Okay. So we're going to try to do the best we can to keep a, a running living document that we all read and have input and agree upon. And the standardization of how we write cards and everything will, will go into that. And uh, even the idea is to have every aspect of a card um, be in some sense standardized, whether it's, you know, the name or thought process behind it. Even if it's just recommendations to where new elders come on, then they can read this document and say, this is what they were thinking at this time. And this is who was on the team. And here's, here's the standardization. Gotcha. Um, I guess one thing that I do know is that since the verse is being focused on now to where you have that two tone to where you're, you know, drawing attention to the verse there, it doesn't say uh, state promo there and the year. Instead, it's down at the bottom left, which I think this would be the first state promos that have that. Yeah, I think so. And you're getting close, but yeah, there's something new on that card. Maybe, and then maybe that's uh, the date on the copyright. Mm-hmm. Is that and that, that's another topic for another day? But that's a that's a little teaser. Okay, and it says copyright on it. Okay, because now you got me looking at. I also have the regional promo pulled up beside it. Obviously, you're looking at it on the outline here. The mm-hmm. date comes before Cactus Game Design on the second one, but. I don't guess that is that what you were you were alluding to the date on it. There's just a year on it, but okay. we're, we're gonna make you know see where we want the year moving forward. Oh, okay, so we'll have that just a little teaser there. So, something new on a card. I feel like I, I I had to skate around too far before I I found that. Oh yeah yeah, you I'm went sorry. Deep into nothing. <laughs> I so stared you, into the abyss about? and it hollered back. <laughs> what do you? So you you're a blue guy. You like Malak. Dude, I love, I love him, but I love him <laughs> even more. Uh, dude, I feel like I feel like you guys making this card, what it is, is going to affect another card that I want to get printed, <laughs> the way that it is. Yeah. So, don't mess with my creative card, okay? <laughs> but this with my creative card, dude. The, the people out there don't even know, but man, yeah. you know what I know. And it's, uh, I have a deck list, dude, <laughs> dude. It's so easy. Just, just slap that one thing on that one thing, start that thing and then add dude. And, and toss is not regardless of protect anymore. Get <laughs> out of here, guys. It's, you're making it too it'll, easy. It'll be very I think the future of the meta is going to be really interesting and fun. Yeah. I, dude, I, I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. I'm, I'm stoked about him. And he has like an ability that it's one of those abilities that previously I feel like in, in the wide open wild, wild west of territory class, you see that ability and you're like, Oh, well he can take the hero, but he can't ban to it. And then he protects heroes in battle. From evil mm-hmm. cards, protects himself. That's that's important, but still, yep. it's like one of those things that's, eh. Does it give you enough immediate benefit for you to push this guy out without him having a banned ability or whatnot? And 
now I think his ability gets even better when you tame the the meta down a little bit to where you're you can play more focused control style decks and things that are forcing your opponents just to burn the few resources they have because they don't have unlimited resources because they just drew a bunch in prep phase anymore. They've yeah. got what's in their hand, what they can access through battle. And now you've got a, a guy with a, an ability like this that's going to force them to play around it. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, man. Like He can play two brigades. He protects himself. He can take a hero, and he's got good numbers. Yeah, he's, and you can go solid. Disciples. Just throw him into Disciples. You can... You can go, uh, what is it, Entertaining Angels, Interrupt, Search for an Angel, Band to any number of Silver silver Brigade heroes, and boom, now I'm protected. Yep. You know, so Disciples just get even better. Yeah, he's, he, can go, he can go anywhere. And, I mean, you said Disciples, and this guy grabs an OT hero, so he can go anywhere. Yeah, he, he does grab that. But, I mean, I, I think he's going he's gonna to have valid play in OT decks. They get to benefit from that. But even if you only get to use the protect heroes in battle, it's okay, that's good enough too. Or you can be playing Patriarchs or whatever you play, and I can be playing Disciples, and I can band, and I can band your guy in. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I guess you do have to um, you do have to make sure that however you're accessing that battle phase, though, because of the protection being, you know, uh, what was it? It used to be that if you were protected from, you kind of walked to the soul, but now that doesn't necessarily happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably why something like this can be printed like that broadly. Yeah. So you just have to, I, I guess, make sure that you're actually rescuing souls. So I guess that does that does throw in a little bit of, okay, let's pump the brakes and make sure that you can use the guy right. <laughs> yep. Correct. But just protecting from dominance, the way that dominance, especially in a one territory class environment, are going to impact battle phase. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I got to check on that one. Protect heroes in battle from evil cards, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, if you're tossing down or something like that to remove the evil characters in battle, you still have to remove. You're just stopping, like, dominance from hitting you while you're trying to get your initiative to do said thing. <laughs> you love this guy. Dude, I love it. <laughs> I'm, okay, we can move on to the other one now, which uh, I would like to say that when we started guessing today, there was a long list of games. First of all, don't go play the lottery. You're, you're not going to be good at it, okay? I can just tell because Magic Charms, don't you don't use that to uh, buy a lottery. I guess John early asked, he was like, What's the answer to this question? <laughs> I was like, the profane daughters gives it away, I thought. so. But honestly, though, I had the best answer. I had the right answer. Cash. What Cash. do you use to buy a lottery ticket? Cash. Yeah. Okay. Can't use credit. You you use cash. Nope. Yep. But, you know, it's got a, got a grill, and there could be wine in there. So maybe, you know, a smart man maybe has to get drunk and go waste his money on the lottery. So maybe, smart maybe that. <laughs> Um, but anyway, Magic Charms is back, back on the scene as a regional promo. Um, but I, I did guess that it was going to be the regional promo when you guys were trying to do the figure out this card to figure out that card to figure out that one. But mm-hmm. of course, John wouldn't just give it to me easy. <laughs> and then we guessed the ability a little bit. Anyway, so Magic Charms, 
I'll read the ability for those that may not have seen it yet since this one's a newer promo, but it says, you may discard this card to capture a hero in a territory to a player, soul gen, whatever. Um, but then if attacked, you may play a magician from deck or reserve. And this is an artifact, and it does not have any identifier uh, space um, or... It doesn't say may it be activated on a magician, which previously it did. It does not have that. So it's just a straight artifact. Magic Charms, it has the classic artwork on the new card face. So you guys bringing this back tells us that magicians are about to get a little bit of love, right? At some point. Um, oh, come the, on, the don't do that is, to us. <laughs> the way this is worded. It's, it's, yeah, Soul Gen. Uh, it's Soul Gen at the expense of usually the opponent's best hero. Um, not, not that I had a agenda for this card, but man, I hate going up against Judas. So we don't want to just create a card that's only good for one theme and one theme only, or we don't want to create something that just goes against the meta and, you know, we want to bring in cards that are fun and that can be used now and maybe later and have different aspects and just cool cards and unique cards in general. Um, Soul Gen at the expense of your hero is a throwback to the old magic charms, but it's also a really good ability. And then like that, that could be an ability on an artifact and it would be played. Um, and then this is, uh, a magician outpost as what Marcus recommended. So magicians outpost. That sounds like, come on, you can't give us that title and then not make that card. That card sounds cool too. That does sound cool. <laughs> magicians <laughs> outpost. Yeah. This thing just, you, you attack me and I, I pop out magicians. So. We'll see what's what's coming out and what can be done to get this thing to just be an evil character tutor for your own deck. So it's it's got an exciting future. Yeah, you can you can kind of tell that you guys were aware of the um, change coming to the game with one territory class, maybe with this one, because it, it gives you that ability uh, to capture or whatever, get rid of their best. And possibly be sold gen, but the if attacked, you may play a magician, just kind of replacing some of that. You don't have that freelance ability to play whatever you have to go and stack your hand for the battle to come, per se. But that's just another layer of, hey, that's a way to an evil character to block. And then if you have a couple more ways that, even if your hand doesn't have an evil character at present, there's ways to mitigate that and have access to one to get a block. So that, Correct. again, it pushes the focus back on the battle phase, which is what everyone that talks about the change to the game and in the conversation of how we should, you know, move forward with the future of the game is, like, pushing focus on the battle phase. Not to where you get rid of territory altogether, because there is that element of turning everything into a light switch. Is it on? Is it off? And balancing that and being a player that can keep up with multiple things. That's layers of strategy that makes the game fun, exciting, and there's players that think critically like that, that, you know, that might benefit them better to think about 
that way than just someone that plays a straight aggressive deck and just doesn't care what the opponent's doing. So it's nice to see that this card is kind of built for, you know, the future to come for the game. Yeah, and there might be magicians coming out relatively soon that you want to pop out as soon as possible. And do you want to use this as soul gen or not? I don't know. There's always necromancer, but There's always necromancer, um, yeah. you do have magic charms here now. I've got it set up in territory. You guys should have made it cannot be negated, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but you have magic charm set up. You attack me. I have no evil character, homie. You just attacked me. Now I'm going to get conjurers and now I'm going to get confusion and now I'm taking your son of God and you did that just because you attacked me and I had magic charms. Dog, it all came from a trinket. I'm just, yep. <laughs> yep, that's man. not a bad play and that's just off the play. top of the dome for somebody that's been away from the game for a while. So, yep. like, I'm all sure there's other the ways you can. Too. Yeah. So, even though it, it seems like a kind of a tamed ability, like, there's there's a lot of things you can do with it. Mm-hmm. So, these are state, regional promos. Well, you know what the next step up in promos are, and that's national promos. And we don't have any idea about those. I'm not going to press you on that, but that's going to lead we, us to... We don't have any idea. Well, I don't have any idea, but we as a community is what I mean. Now, if you're gonna keep if you're gonna keep cutting me off talking about how you know stuff, <laughs> like tell us stuff, you know. I'll get you there. Um, but I that just leads us into putting the focus on the fact that nationals is coming up this summer, and we're getting ready to start that tournament season that builds up and leads to that. But nationals will be held in Knoxville, Tennessee, Meridian Baptist Church, same setup as Mister Classic Invitational, and. That will be the last weekend in July, which is going to be January 27th through the 29th. I confirmed with Chris it is the last weekend in July. I didn't see it posted anywhere. I knew it had been talked about, um, but I didn't see where it had been posted, so I confirmed with him, and that is Thursday, Friday, Saturday in July. Super stoked about Mr. Classic. Super stoked about Nationals. Something else to get stoked about is the fact that you can win a bunch of cool prizes by helping out a couple of teenagers to be able to go to nationals. These are 12th grade students in Chad's play group in the Pacific Northwest. And they are trying to get to nationals and he's trying to recoup the money to pay for their plane tickets. And he's made an uncut sheet that has framed some national promos and other things available as a reward uh, you enter into a drawing basically uh, for every twenty dollars that you donate. Donate a hundred bucks, you get five entries in, and it's a pretty good lot of things to win. Valued at over a thousand dollars in his estimate, which I would I would say that the value seems to be in in line with that. So donate, help some kids get to nationals, possibly win a bunch of prizes that are pretty awesome. Did you take a look at the lot that he's offering? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw what he posted. I talked to Chad about it for a little bit, too. And he's got the links on Land of Redemption and Your Turn Games. So thank you, Andy. Um, I would say thank you, Chad. But Chad put them on Land of Redemption as well. So well done. Uh, So yeah, if you're on Your Turn Games and LOR, the links are there as well, because sometimes they can be hidden in Discord. It's hard to find. So but the 
the prizes are phenomenal. Uh, Chad's amazing. Love that he's going. Love that I get to meet some of his playgroups. So uh, got to get them there or I guess help Chad recoup anything he can and see them at Nats. Yeah, so if you're in a position to be able to help with that, that's a good cause. So I guess we'll get ready to transition into our main topic, which is talking about the new rule. Um, kind of got a little long-winded there with all of the recent things, but it's been a while since we podcasted, so there's a lot to go over. But as always, we are sponsored by Covenant Games. So if I can figure out which one of these buttons goes to that ad that I cut for our friends at Covenant Games, then we'll we'll run that and then we'll get into the conversation. Are you enjoying this episode of the podcast? If so, please consider supporting our sponsors by visiting their webpage at covenantgames.com. There you will find a ton of family-oriented gaming products, including but not limited to the Redemption Collectible Card Game. Add a threshing floor playmat to your cart today and represent your favorite podcast at your next tournament or casual meetup. Yeah, the best podcast. So, here we are, facing the big conversation of another rule change in redemption because you guys just love to change the game. (laughs) So, all right. You have experience testing that because you played in the Lake Grand Prix. I have been away from the game. I have not played many games at all over the last four months. But what do you what do you think it does to the average game? So you sit down to play. You kind of have an idea of how games normally progress and play out from all of your experience playing the game. How does one territory class enhancement affect what you um expect to see in an average game that's very healthy you get a lot of battles you get the back and forth action you don't sit there and stare at your opponent while they play redemption solitaire what a common term was being used um average gameplay you can you can come back you're not stuck in an oppressive board state. I know we're still very early into the meta. We're very early into stream. So we haven't even fully implemented the new rule yet. Uh, but play testing the new rule, extremely early in the meta of deck building and the shift in the rule implementation. But I have not seen this board state of you can't do anything, and I got to go first, so I set up a board state that you can't climb out of so i like and and enjoy all aspects of that um i like the emphasis on the battle phase and the yeah you might have gotten to go first but that doesn't mean you're gonna win and it's not a massive card advantage yeah i feel like um just touching on on what you said there about you can come back and things of that nature I feel like there for a while, um, if you ask me, I would just tell you straight up, I felt like three nails was almost a requirement to have in your back pocket Mm. because if they get out to that big Matthew Boom oppressive board state, you have a way two, three nails, you can flip that, and now you can set up your board state while they've, you know, burned through their resources to get that big setup. You know, their spirit as a dove is going to crowd's choice, delivered possibly, things like that, but... 
I think with this, you scale that back, and you can come back even without three nails an L or without resetting the full game by just, you know, building your deck in a way that lets you, you know, kind of like we mentioned before about the way that Jay likes to play toward that mid-game and be in control at that point. Like, you can Mm -hmm. build for that a little bit better than uh, you could before because you almost had to keep pace with that big turn one deck that you might face. Yeah. And I think that that part of it kind of leads me into the the next question I have for you is I feel like it's going to close the gap between newer players and established veteran, you know, contenders within uh, competitive games. I think it's going to close that gap. Now, I think the competitive players, uh, because you have games now that are probably going to get a little bit mucky and like, you know, uh, it's a grind is, you know, kind of how you would describe a game that has a lot of big battles back and forth. You're grinding that game. It's going to go down to the wire. And I think veteran competitive players are obviously going to be better suited for that because they've been around and they've seen that and they've experienced it. And newer players are learning that. But I think that's still a much closer gap than, okay, wide open territory class. John Early can put a deck down that's going to win turn one. (laughs) Like just draw his entire deck, whatever. And you're sitting there and you're like, okay, good game. <laughs> I never played a card. I think it closes the gap. And I think that's a good benefit for the game, especially with so many new players coming in. Yeah, I agree. There's not the um, the, the skill gap. Like your veteran players should, you know, win majority of their game. Veteran players should win nearly all their games against newer players. Now, if they're playing their tournament decks, your veteran players are going to win. I'll just throw out the arbitrary 99%. But um, as for closing the gap, it's not so much about like our newer players going to win, but it's more so that they're just not devastated and feel like they're just sitting there and it's an unhealthy and not a fun experience. Uh, Like you you expect them to be engaged and involved with what's happening versus it happening in spite of their presence. Correct. Yeah. You want people to sit down and think, even if, even if I could sit down and go against the best of the best and I'm a newer player, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I might not think I can win this game, but at the same time, I want to play my deck and play my cards and make decisions and think. And that's where I think we're at now. Yeah, I think I think that part of it in acknowledging that and the improvements that it makes in that regard makes the rule worth it at least for a tournament season just to see how it impacts the game overall. Um, and mm-hmm. obviously we're not privy to what the big goal is moving forward or anything like as a community and probably you guys as leaders too, you're just trying to make the best of the, the moment now and have it you know, have a path to it leading to a better future for the game, Um, but -hmm. not necessarily know, like, in a year, this is what we're doing. Because, I mean, things are going to change. Cards are going to come out. You never know how the community is going to react long term. But right now it seems like everybody's happy with that part of it because of it being such a positive change. Um, But do you think it does enough to stop broken cards that have been discussed as being cards that are worthy of a ban? We've had people call for ban delivered, ban Emmaus Road, ban uh, 
um, Matthew. Matthew's a big one. Numerous as the stars. Star of Bethlehem. Bethlehem should not trigger its own star ability or, you know, errata it or ban it, whatever. Um, you've got all these cards, and a lot of people prefer bans. It seems like the people that prefer bans think you go through this run of bans, and then it's a healthy environment, and then you just pick off, you know, one or two throughout card design in the future. Um, but that doesn't seem to be what leadership would prefer to do, which... That's understandable. Um, create and design cards. You want people to be able to get them and play them without having a bunch of that are not valid. So this kind of helps curb that without having to ban those cards. But do you think it curbs them enough to where they're not still a problem in the metagame? Yeah, last resort is always banning. And sometimes that's the simplest, quickest, easiest thing. Last year we were able to ban Widow. Um and that was just right after go from there. But uh, as for does this prevent banning, we, we're we still continuing to look. We don't want to ban, but if it's needed and it's healthy, okay, yeah. Um, I, I do like to say let's get through one ruling before we get to the next. Um, if we can test this rule out and see where we're at from the meta and deck building and game state and health of the game, do are we still talking about banning? And I think the, you know the the problem child cards and being numerous potentially Emmaus and delivered. Do we need to do that if you play delivered and that's the only thing you could play? You play numerous and all three are territory class so we want to see the impact of this rule has before we just ban that's absolutely fair let me ask you because we've already kind of hit on the next thing that i had here which was talking about the negative play experience we do think that i feel like you're on the same page with me that you think a lot of that's going to be mitigated now with the new rule um so let's just play the game of hypothetical like okay elder hat have it on or have it off, but we're just going to try to see into the future and just, let's just play hypothetical. The rule goes good. We like the rule. We want to keep the rule around. Do you still need the four activation rule? Like let's say a year in the future we're analyzing. Do you think that this rule could lead to us not needing the four activation rule anymore? So there's a couple things there with the four activation rule. It's, it's nice as, a handcuff if anything's built that's not caught i.e the first you know um to where it could have a built-in multiplier and like um, the infinite loop type thing infinite loop sewing bountifully where i can just you know it, it's a lot harder to get to you also have like what if deck discarding and hand hitting and all sorts of stuff to where you can just loop through abilities and um, ways to do that with one territory class. I want to make sure that we as a team do a good job of, and I think we are asking the right questions and challenging each other for design perspective that we're not making 
loops and we're using standardization of abilities and uh, a lot of different preventative me measures, but the four activation, could it go away? Uh, yeah, it probably could. Um, do, does it affect anything if it's gone? Will anyone notice if it's if the four rule if the four limit rule goes away? Just on you mentioned the first. Um, I mean, so you're I'm, still drawing off the first, right? So you're you're limited by hand size. Um, now that we know that false leaders are, is going to it's a soft rule, so it can activate more than one territory class. You could do that more than four times if they trigger it, but I mean that's your but opponent how? triggering it. Yep. So. Uh, I mean, I I mean, I asked the question because I thought it was a valid question, um, and I know that a lot of the talk about rules is we don't need another rule and then this rule, that rule. If we could just have, you know, it's Lord of the Rings, it's Lord of the Rules, one rule to rule them all. If we could just, mm -hmm. this thing takes care of all the others. Um, because the next thing I've got on here is Widow. And, I mean, if you don't have to worry about four activations and somebody creating some type, some type of loop, there's no reason Widow couldn't be unbanned. And um, I think that would make it the, I mean, I don't think any redemption card's ever been unbanned. So there was a first time for banning a card. I mean, somewhere down the line, there's going to be the first time for unbanning a card. Is that Widow? Who knows? But the potential is there because you haven't created like an errata version or anything. Just it, it would be clean. Hey, this card's now legal. So I, I, I don't know if the four activation rule going away would really affect things overall. I do know that it's nice to always know that it's there. It's like a safety net just to make sure someone doesn't sit down and do something crazy. But I mean, what loop can you really create that you're only going to activate one territory class card in a turn? Yeah. If you do something crazy in battle, I mean, generally there's going to be initiative or dominant interaction from the opponent. So, I mean, that, that seems okay. I think the four activation is a background rule that is more of a fail-safe fail safe for designing. And as for unbanning Widow, Widow was made before Bounce. So Widow's intention was to play an officious hero to get back a convert. There's amazing converts now, and you can just bounce her and put her back down to activate her own ability to get a convert. That's not how she was designed, and that was not the intent. Um, and that was just a card that was never played because of her ability. So now, yeah, people want Widow, and it's like, why can't we get Widow back? Well, because you still want to use her based on how she wasn't intended to be used. I mean, you want a bouncer just to get back, love one another and great commission. Okay, just... devil's advocate. There's a lot mm -hmm. of cards that play different than the way that they were originally intended. Our people find ways creatively to use them. So, Correct. I, I mean, at the cost of, I don't know. You know, it'd be it'd be one thing if like there wasn't any way to stop bounce, but you and I both know. Well, you and I both know. We'll just leave it at that. But like bounce isn't isn't an impenetrable thing and isn't going to be because you guys are gonna design cards that 
you know, work around the fact that people are abusing that for these meek flip heroes and things of that nature. So it, it seems like that naturally gets tamed down a little bit with card design um, in the future. But, okay, Widow, unban, whatever. This is the big one. This is the one I want to ask you. Because losing the territory class, it makes you find other ways to have consistency in your deck. And I know that people were using the reserve in a way to make an unfair jumping off point. But with one activation per turn, is it so bad that Remnant Soul gets you a hero from your your reserve? I mean, genuinely asking. Like, I could see it being a problem, but I could also see it, you know, being an an acceptable, okay, it just helps jumpstart that. Um, So just curious to get your thoughts on whether you think this could ever lead to getting rid of the uh, delayed reserve access. So the the star abilities that play Lost Soul, the amount of souls that can get Lost Souls, um, you could near 100% like be guaranteed to get and play Exiles and Remnant, which are both if put in play. Maybe if those were if drawn, it'd be a different conversation, but they're both if put in play and you're getting an artifact and a hero uh, first turn. And when I get to go first and I get an artifact and a hero, um, I'm, I'm quickly jumping out to a massive advantage. Um, we're talking that, and then once again, it goes back to intent and design. Uh, the intent of the reserve is being completely changed. And I get it for your point. Cards are going to do this as a card game. What you intended is not always going to be used. Um, but for this sense, it people want to use their reserve first turn, but they want to use it to get to a competitive advantage instead of accessing their reserve. Now, if it was just the sole reason of defensive cards, yeah. But what, what was happening? You know, people are relying on their reserve to block and all. there's just a lot of layers to that as well and factors. So I, I, I see the point is can we unban things? Can we get rid of the activation rule? Can we get rid of the reserve rule? Can we just do the one rule to rule them all? Um, yes, eventually. That's a very real possibility. As of right now, I don't think so. I think there needs to be a few more cards, you know, few. Uh, there needs to be more cards made in a different pool of cards potentially to where you can't just go straight to your reserve and rip through it and do whatever you want. And it goes right back to, it doesn't matter if it's one territory class or not, because I just did remnant to an artifact as well with exiles and I got whatever I want now. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. That's why you guys get paid the big bucks. (laughs) So um, all right, not speaking future future casting anymore, bringing it back down to realistic terms. So this rule is now here. It's going into effect, I believe, at the end of February, so beginning of March. 
um, if I remember correctly. Can you confirm that? Yeah, I think the, it was March 6th. Okay. Um, so rules coming into place. Now you're a player currently playing, and you're like, okay, I've got to shift gears, build for this new meta that's going to happen, this new format. How do you think it affects um, deck building and changes deck building? Do you think... Um, do you think all decks are just immediately going to get more uh, power level because you're taking out some of the cards that are just consistency and speed to add just more good value throughout the deck slots? Um, how do you see deck building you know, being affected at least early on? I've seen, this is just my observation, I've seen a lot of drawing up front, and I've also seen a shift to more defense to where it's almost like a lot of balanced decks and i have seen i think the most important aspect is people should have already been doing this but they're getting the most value cards they're getting the most value from their cards and they're ensuring that they know why each card is in their deck that it matters for the battle um i also think we're seeing a little bit i've always played more character heavy i think we're seeing a couple more enhancements being added to both good and evil on both sides so if i used to play 12 heroes and five enhancements or six enhancements i'm now playing about 10 heroes and seven enhancements so you mentioned the the balance decks that are kind of creeping up or are becoming more common um that's interesting because it seems like even with the the crazy hyper aggressive meta that we were in and i don't think anyone would describe it as anything but hyper aggressive even Mm -hmm. though uh this next point that point that i'm gonna make is Jaden won with kind of a, a bit of a balance deck like just adding more blocks into his deck more ways to answer things and not being as aggressive up front on the, you know, rescuing side. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the year before that, with Love at First Sight, Derek came in, uh, what was it, second? And he played a balanced deck. So balanced decks have had success already, even in the hyper-aggressive, and now you got to think about the players that were already kind of playing that style, but now you tame it down to where they don't have to worry about, you know, that crazy first turn deck as much. Those guys should just be like ready to rock and roll. Like this is the format for them. I mean, watch out. And it, it stinks that you're saying that about Jaden because he already beats everybody. <laughs> and now it's just like, yeah, he's probably well suited for this environment. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's just an observation that balance decks. Um, I do think when you guys get K and L out, dude. I mean, you already you already did a video on it, but Philistine defense heavy. That's going to be a legit thing. That's going to be, dude. I wish I could play that deck right now. Yeah, me and too. then the fact that one territory class, so it's slowing the game down a little bit to where now that defense. It, it seems like that makes that more viable. Um, so do you think that this rule is going to make more decks viable and kind of level out the top end 
or do you think there's still going to be like one or two decks that are king of the mountain and are the decks that are like you have to you have to tech ways to beat those decks? I think there's more decks that are viable. Um, my my favorite defense is illegal right now. So you use both both uh, new dominants and from Israel's deliverance with murder's command and not Lord of Armies. That's the good one, but the equivalent uh, warrior of overtaken, command. I believe. Warrior overtaken. You're right, and my man. And you use both of those, and you have like a Melakite slave in deck, and you have foreign wives in reserve, so you always have one Egyptian to add, and then you play Philistines for the most part, or you know, three or four Philistines and a couple other, maybe like Philistines, Goliath, stuff like that. It sounds so fun though, while you're describing it. Oh yeah, I want to play it right now. Yeah, and and that's good for the game that there's dominance that add to battle and kill a hero. Plus, magic charms coming in, another way to get rid of a territory class hero and just, or just a hero in general in a territory. But you, you put all that together and you have battle extension with taking out heroes, and you have a new defense, and you have another toy for Phillies, and all of a sudden, Herods and Thieves and a couple others, but uh, Romans and uh, split there, but mostly like Romans and stuff aren't absolutely dominating the meta. You just brought in a whole new defense, and I think that's good for the game. And that wilderness defense that's forthcoming. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's getting hot in here. Turn on the AC. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, um, the trade off for losing. Uh, are going down to one territory class is going to be that speed and consistency. You're going to lose some of that naturally. Are you, you may not lose it overall in the course of the deck, but you can't front load it in a game anymore. So you could, you could still have all that in your deck. If you want to, you don't have to change a thing about your deck, but you're not going to play it all at once. You're going to have to play it, you know, strategically throughout the course of the game. So now it's forcing those players to think long-term about the game and, accumulating resources so how do you how do you plan like when you deck build how do you plan to offset the the consistency um that you lose from okay i can't go up chain emmaus road to delivered to denarius boom you know something to grab four drop mccoin you don't have you don't have all those ways to to chain things together so you've just got the one and you've lost that consistency do you just plan to make all of your characters generate resources as well as be strong battle um, uh, or equi- strongly equipped in battle? What What is your approach to that? I think if you go for all resources, you're going to lose the battle aspect. Um, and I started playing, and I, I posted, in my opinion, one of the better meta decks right now with a heavy emphasis on battle dominance for good every single dominant on the one i'm running uh, was used as essentially a good dominant and um, Jaden had a deck that he was running with complacent you know so you you don't want to be one-sided 
So if you're just running everything to make up for consistency and you're just running resources, uh, you're, you're, if you don't win in that early game, which is hard to do against a lot of decks that are running, you know, these balanced defenses, balanced decks with these defenses to, they can block you a first, second turn. Um, you're at a greater risk of losing in the long run. So I think if you're offsetting consistency, one, your deck can definitely be consistent. The consistency aspect was we were throwing in a bunch of brigades and still being able to do whatever we wanted, and that was consistency. Now we need to look at consistency more in the sense of I have a hero and an enhancement to block or to rescue with, and I have a block my first turn. So I need to look at consistency in the sense of what is my deck trying to do? What's my first turn attack? What am I looking for? And it'll push people to be better deck builders instead of just trying to get one card out of their deck. And I don't just mean like going to Matthew, but instead of going for a board lockout and not really caring about the battle, it matters what you're doing in the battle and it matters how you build your deck. So you offset, how do you offset the consistency? I know it's cliche, but you become a better deck builder. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, a good synopsis because uh, it's it's similar to last year when we played teams, me and Jeremy, and I was playing uh, circus with him. And for a lot of it, I was in over my head a little bit because I hadn't played it much. Um, but obviously it ended up working out well. We won, but that was mostly because of Jeremy. But I remember getting all of this out here and as we have it out there, I'm like, and what do we do to actually rescue? And he's like, just push a meek Noah or something. <laughs> just push numbers out. They're not going to have it in their hand to block. And obviously yeah. you've planned for that, but now you can't hit their hand as well because of the, you can't play those territory class enhancements, chain them together to do that. And now, so you lose that. Now they've got resources in their hand you're not pushing that Meek Noah anymore. You're going to have to, yep. the loss of those territory class enhancements are going to have to beef up your ability in battle. Or, like, the fact that, like, push a Meek Noah was a strategic point last year, and yep. now you think in this environment, Meek Noah is going to get wrecked. I love Noah, but if you didn't convert him to Meek that turn in that battle, he's getting wrecked. And even if you did that, you're probably getting wrecked. So... Yep. I mean, you got you got to plan around that, and and I think that overall is exciting, especially for someone that hasn't played a lot to come back in and not have to worry about that hyper aggressive, but can actually build with that in mind. I'm stoked about that aspect of it. Yeah, I agreed. So how um, how vital do you think the the neutral cards that uh, get you speed are going to be because at one point, I I was quoted as saying, and, and I, I believed it with everything in my being, I'm not going to play any deck that I cannot run delivered, and Emmaus wrote in. And now it's like, this is kind of a slap to that theory. So you have to go back to the drawing board, and, and now you can branch out and play other things. So I do think it opens up, uh, you know, I, I do think it opens up more viable decks overall, but... How important do you think those are going to be for decks that can actually still fit them within the limitation? Um, and do you think that's something to 
to uh, consider when you build a deck. Like, can you still use Deliver to get to an artifact that's going to get you a draw as a worthy use of your territory class enhancement early on? Well, it's still one of the best star abilities in the game for Delivered. And as soon as Israel's Deliverance comes out, it it Delivered only gets better um, because you can activate from reserve so that no one uses it that way, you know? So that helps. Um, Couple that with, it still goes right to not just a drawing artifact, like it goes goes to anything and it goes to new covenant and send the helper Fine scroll yeah and book of the covenant to go to something like it's it's always used for resource grabbing but um it's it's still really good uh i have seen less of it but that's because most of it we were doing one artifact per so i think we're going to see more delivered as for denarius it's it's hard not to use Daenerys. It's a plus four, you know. It's crazy good. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very good. So, let me ask you this: as you were talking there and, and describing the good benefits of delivered, still, um, I just had a thought um, that when analyzing what territory class enhancements to use in a deck, and I don't know if this would be good practice for other people, but as you went through the reasons of using that, I think. Some of these territory class enhancements that also have a benefit in battle, people don't even know about the benefit in battle because they would never use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one way to look at it would be delivered. If it's not territory class and now you're forced to use it in battle, is it still beneficial? Are you building your deck in a way that you can use that in battle to your benefit? Do you have a flying scroll in reserve and you can play it on an evil character? Something like that. Um, that way, if at any given point in the game, you didn't use your territory class enhancement that turn for it. It still, you know, beefs up your ability in battle. So it still serves a purpose there. Um, that might be a way to look at analyzing which territory class enhancements to use and not Emmaus Road. It's great. It can go get you another one. But generally, it's going to get you another one that you want to play unless now you can start thinking about it can go get you a hero that then you go into battle. It shuffles it's actually a potential battle winner in the right situation. Start thinking about it as, you know, using the cards in battle and what they can give you in battle as the primary reason. And then the territory class stuff is just, oh yeah, it can do that too. Instead of the way it's always been heavy on territory class usage. And then, oh, it does what in battle? Yeah. Drop, drop delivered on someone in battle, see what the heck they do and then go to flying scroll and, you know, take them out. Like that's a good that's a a good block. Um and B once again it goes back to Egyptian. If you can throw an Egyptian in battle and get it from reserve, I mean it's it's a it's a sneaky block that's hard to hard to get get by because the card removes itself and it's from artifact artifact pile, so it's kinda goes back to the very beginning what we said with G O C only. Knowing what the card does and knowing how to always play it. I think the top players are the top players because they know when to use their cards and how to use their cards. I mentioned it before, the watching Jeremy at Nationals last year, just the the machine-like 
precision that he he played his deck with. Um, yep. And that, that comes from your favorite line when it gets ready for tournament season. We had you on for deck tips going into nationals last year on the podcast. It's know your deck. Players that know their deck will do better than players that have a better deck that don't know their deck as well, generally. And it's like Derek knew his deck, love at first sight year, slid in a few few things to help, you know, in the situation versus love at first sight. Did well against other things because he knew his deck. Um, and then, I mean, if you say, Jaden, what are you playing? <laughs> I mean, post-exilics come up. That's going to come up quickly. And that's what he played at Nationals. And he ended up beating out some really stiff competition to win Type 1 2 player last year. Um, so knowing your deck definitely is important. And you've, you've got all the validity in the world to you believing that. Um, you know, maybe at some point it'll sink into my hard head and I'll, I'll figure out my deck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how do you think that this rule, as we progress through, you know, We've, we've shown, uh, or you guys have shown, the state tournament uh, promo and then the regional tournament promo. You guys are, you know, well into planning the tournament season now. Um, so how do you think each level of tournament, as this thing progresses this first year, how do you think that this rule um, and the impact that it has on deck building and player strategy, you know, Taking a player that's an aggro player right now, they're going to have to find a different way to play to be competitive across a a you know a more vast majority of of games not playing out to a certain script that they have with their deck. You know you're going to have to be able to ebb and flow with the opponent now because there's going to be more interaction because you can't just race out there to that you know positive board state in your advantage early on. Um, so there's going to be players finding things out about themselves as players and how they interact with this rule. Um, but how do you see that playing out through the season as we go to different levels of tournaments? People are going to have to remember the battle phase and how to play their cards in the battle phase. And they're going to have to know special initiative and that some abilities are just better in the battle than other abilities. Um, there's a reason everyone just went, you know, straight to Saul of Tarsus and everything. And it took a few weeks to get around that. And it's the rule being implemented. And then the first tournament season, how the rule plays out, it's going to be players who build their decks correctly. That's always the thing though. Um, but you don't waste their resources. You want to waste your opponent's resources, not yours. And you want to capitalize on the battle. Um, it's not that every battle matters. It used to be every single battle battle mattered when it was pre-one territory class because the games were over. So you only had a few, you know. Um, there's more battles now and people are going to feel like they have to use their angel lord right away or have to get this blocked right now. It's like, no, you make the opponent weigh some stuff. Battle extension is really, really, really good. And I think people will either learn that or remember that. So 
the first tournament season with the rule playing out is going to shape up a lot of different aspects of the battle phase and you'll see a lot of different ratios of characters to enhancements and just what's used and how so it'll be it'll be exciting to see yeah i'm with you i think it's going to be exciting to see the development of different decks you know we have the um discord the zerubbabel temple discord for deck building again there's if you're hearing that you don't know what that is that's a separate discord that is you know dedicated to deck building um and it's open to the community they've made it open to the community you want a link ask someone they'll get you a link but you have all those decks in there and you know they've been listed for what that's been around for a year now um yeah think about you take that deck and now instead of Nativity being numerous, nativity just super aggressive as this rule is implemented. What does that deck now look like? And you get to see, you're going to get to see all of those decks and how they change. But more uh, specifically than that, I think it's going to be really cool to watch players change and their their play styles and their strategies. And I would even venture to say that if you build for this uh, new rule, you actually work on deck building and you dedicate the the time to knowing your deck and playing your deck. I think this is this is going to be one of those uh one of those years where you can play the same deck starting out and just keep tweaking that and end up with a really good nationals deck at the end of it without having to hop deck to deck. Um, oh, yeah. because you can change things within that deck structure to play to the format versus oh this deck is just it doesn't answer enough questions that other decks are posing so i've got to get rid of it and go to something that does um i think you can kind of make any deck that you know is already you know on on a certain level you could probably carry that through the tournament season and work it up but if players dedicate to this i think every player that plays for this format um with that rule in mind and doesn't just try to how can i make the most aggressive deck within this you know like that mindset, if you'll just open up and let yourself try other things and build for the format and being competitive, having good value and resources throughout the game, mid-game and long game, I think every player that does that is going to be better at the end of it than they are right now. And one of the first types of media I got on Redemption was I found that uh, lecture from Jay talking about players are not, new players don't know how to play Redemption. They don't understand the the resource management. They don't understand time as a resource. Um, They don't understand that cards are your resource and all of that. And I think all of those points that he he was making, I think those get highlighted with this new change. And most players are going to be forced to reconcile with that and know that. And they're going to end up being better players for it at the end of it. Mm -hmm. So that is what I'm really excited about this rule change for because I see the potential that it's going to have to make players across the board better. Completely agree. At the end of the tournament season, do you think as a, as a leader, as an elder, that you're going to feel like the, this rule was the right thing to do at the right time? Or do you think there's potentially going to be mixed feelings about it, kind of the way it interacts with all of the other layered rules? Or what do you think, if you had to guess, 
looking back, so and again, future casting, but do you think that leadership is just going to be uh, thrilled with the, the decision, or you think there's going to be um, adjustment things that you guys have to take into consideration after the season? The, the fact that when this first rule was being talked about and then being implemented and stuff, there was some pushback, and then as people tested it, it was only positivity, uh, positive comments, and everything about it uh, was in a just highly regarded and talked about. And then everything we said tonight has just been overly positive as well. So looking at that, and then I know it's all hypothetical, but flash forward, it, it looks like it only puts the game in a healthy spot. So I would say I absolutely think the right at you flash forward to end of July. And I think we will say the right call was made. Um, mixed feelings. I, I, I think it'll be very highly positive from everyone. Yeah. Did, did it kind of take you guys as leaders um, and elders by surprise that we referred to this at one point as the chokehold method and like that's just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in the the potential rule change and then you guys mentioned hey you want to play test this and i would have assumed that the you would get a mixed bag of of reaction to that and it just it seems like you said it's just it feels like it's positive positive people are uh approaching it with optimism and I, I mean, I've read some of the stuff on, on, I know that people don't use the boards as much, but I've read some of those things. That's not the way that redemption big changes have always, have always gone. <laughs> like we, yeah. I, I get it. I understand that everybody has an opinion, but there's been some really passionate debate about just about everything in redemption. And then it's like, here's a groundbreaking, we're going to change the way the game's played in a, in a certain regard. And it's just like, yes, give us this. We'll we'll deal with. It. I would I would have a, a different solution possibly, if it was me. But I'll roll with this. I'm good. And I think that's just just a a re- relief from the frustrations of the last few seasons to where it, that hyper aggressive. You felt like you had to play that to be competitive at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I you've seen me at tournaments. I'll I'll just be like, dude, if you're not running that, like you don't have a chance to win. I'm that guy. Yeah, I'll admit it, but I also play Jeremy all the time. So I feel like it's warranted. (laughs) Um, But I think the optimism was a surprise. So were you guys surprised to see that? A little bit here and there. Um, I mean, I was, I was against it at first. I said I was going completely optimistic and open-minded into it, but I, I was wondering if we could hit this by design chain, like card design and stuff like that. And, Ultimately, it was just, yeah, we can, but over the course of how many years? So it was more so making sure we're doing the right thing for the community. Um, and it was quickly realized by our team of, yeah, this is this is right. And we heard all sorts of stuff prior to, and all of it was without anyone testing yet. And it was all just conversation. It was just hypothetical. So that was another reasoning of, I think they should test it because it helps us from like a change management perspective where 
person, the users start, they're seeing the change, they're believing in it, they're aware of it, they're learning it, and they're really starting to adapt, you know? So I think, I think the testing helped big time because if no one was testing and it was all speculation, then you're just, and we do this in, a, in the community where it's all hypothetical talk and that's all it is. Um, this, this could have very easily gone very negatively. I think the community involvement helped help part of the buy-in with it, at least for those that, you know, participated or was, you know, able to build a deck for it before it came down as this is a change that, you know, like I mentioned it, you know, at some point previously on this episode that we're recording here that's gone way too long. I'm sorry I kept you up so late. <laughs> um, but I mentioned how, like, hey, we're thinking about changing the reserve and delaying access to it, but not being able to have an impact on that versus the way that it was done now with this is, hey, you guys want to be involved and help us test this? And you just, it, it's easier to buy into that when you feel like you're mm-hmm. a part of the decision versus they're making the decision whether I'm with it or not. Yeah. Which, I mean, as leaders, obviously, you know, on the backside, if you're in leadership, you have to be ready to make that decision whether they buy in or not. Um, you got to make the tough decisions, but it's a lot easier when you can get them to come along with you and feel like they're part of it. Yeah. I agree. As I said, this episode has gone way too long. I'm just excited to be back podcasting guys. So hope you don't get tired of me. I think we're here for another long stretch, you know, but definitely want to thank you guys for tuning in. want to thank Tyler for joining us while he's on the road for work. Hopefully you don't have an early morning in the morning. (laughs) I'm sure you do, naturally. So we'll let you get off to bed. But remember, March, what was it? Hold on, let me scroll up. 17th and 18th. Before I say it wrong, March 17th and 18th, Mr. Classic. You heard it here first. Mr. Classic. Tyler Stevens is going to win. John's a scrub. I I, I just call it, I'm repeating, I'm the mouthpiece. I'm not I'm not the brain behind it. Tyler's the brain. He said he's gonna win. So we'll have to see. Could you imagine if like Mark just gets that 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 bid from winning the scroll around the block and then he beats all you guys and really turns you guys into the scrubs? Oh, I hope he, oh, I hope he does. Yeah, hey, what if he knows his deck and he just takes all the time in on scrolls? Yeah. Dude, I'm so stoked for it. I hope you guys are stoked. Because Mr. Mm-hmm. Classic is coming to a Knoxville city near you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Deuce. Peace. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. Number 49 is now officially in the books. Took a while to get here, but we did it. want to thank Tyler for coming on kind of last minute. Appreciate him stepping in want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening and just continue to bear with me as we get back into the groove but the podcast is back let's rock and roll 